In a highly charged political year like 2016, every issue is viewed through glasses with one red lens and one blue. About the only thing nonpartisan on Capitol Hill is the menu in the cafeteria. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Love it or hate it, the politicization of absolutely everything has seeped into every corner and crevice of public life. This week, politics even found their way into the library, the Library of Congress, that is, so maybe it's not so surprising. Each week on Friday, Andrew Albanese joins me from Publishers Weekly with the latest publishing news. And today, Andrew has exclusive details on the story behind the confirmation of the 14th Librarian of Congress, a confirmation that almost wasn't. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Greetings, Chris. Well, uh, greetings, and indeed we are looking forward to, to hearing more about this because you've got some details that we don't think really are available anywhere else, and we're very happy to hear this story from you. And the news this week was that uh, we do have a new Librarian of Congress, Carla Hayden, uh, was confirmed earlier in the week, but but not without some political drama. In fact, quite a lot of it. Tell us about it. Yeah, indeed, it was a dramatic 24 hours that ended with Carla Hayden happily being confirmed as the nation's 14th Librarian of Congress. Uh, and as we've said on this podcast, pretty much since she was appointed a year ago, this is a historic moment. Hayden is the first woman, and she She's the first African-American to serve as librarian of Congress. And uh, I'll also mention that she's the first professional librarian to hold the office in over 60 years. The final confirmation vote was a comfortable tally. It was 74-18 was the final tally. Uh, and that's reflective of the broad support that Carla Hayden really had on both sides of the aisle. So, you know, before we get into the backstory, first and foremost, congratulations to Carla Hayden and best of luck to her in her new post leading the Library of Congress. Well, indeed, our congratulations as well. But as you say, the final margin reflects a broad support for her, and yet her confirmation almost did not happen. You were deep into reporting it for PW, so you can give us the blow-by-blow. Sure. So, in a word, politics happened. On July 12th, I learned that a group of Senate Republicans had placed an anonymous hold on Hayden's nomination, uh, and they were threatening to deny her a final up-or-down confirmation vote, and possibly to derail her nomination altogether. So, for our listeners who may not be parliamentarians, uh, let's just have a quick note on Senate rules. In order for a vote to move forward in the Senate, it requires unanimous consent. If it does not have unanimous consent, then you have to go through invoking cloture, which is a very involved process and ultimately requires 60 votes to pass. And anyone who follows politics at all knows that it's pretty tough to get cloture done these days. Now, any senator can scuttle a unanimous consent motion simply by going to the leader ahead of time and saying that they intend to object. This is what we call an anonymous or a secret hold. Uh, you don't even have to say who you are or why you're doing it. You just have to put the hold on and boom, the process stops. But the majority leader, in this case, that's Mitch McConnell, actually has the option to ignore that hold if he or she so chooses and to bring the motion for unanimous consent up anyway. And that's exactly what happened here with Carla Hayden. So as we report the news of the hold, the story pretty much caught fire. There were calls and emails and petitions that came pouring into the legislators' offices. The story became nationally trending on Twitter, which I have to say is probably one of the only times, if not the only time, Librarian of Congress has ever trended nationally on Twitter. Uh, and Democratic senators were preparing to speak from the floor on behalf of Carla Hayden. 
As a political story, the Library of Congress vote was about to get really, really big. And in essence, Mitch McConnell stepped in and basically told the fringe element in his party that was trying to block the nomination that if they wanted to object to Carla Hayden, they can do so from the floor. And in fact, they could have. Now, any one of these senators who were placing an anonymous hold on Hayden trying to block the vote could have easily scuttled the confirmation vote simply by stepping up on the floor and saying two simple words. I object. No unanimous consent, no vote in the Senate. So that's all it would have taken. Of course, at that point, the hold is no longer anonymous. No one chose to step out of the shadows and object in public on the floor. And Carla Hayden was thus quickly confirmed. Right. And you've identified a hero here. And for our listeners in blue states or blue state inclinations, they're going to be surprised to find out who it is. Yeah. You know, there's a couple here, but among others, I have my very good sources on the Hill that Mitch McConnell has always been very very supportive of Hayden's nomination, uh, as have many Republicans, in fact, as you can see from the final vote tally. And at the time, I think he saw this opposition to Hayden pretty much as political lunacy. And I want to impress upon our listeners here just how dire the situation really was. The Senate is set to recess until September after today. And my sources on the Hill told me unequivocally that if Hayden did not get done this week, the nomination would have failed, almost certainly, because very little gets done in the fall of an election year. So so yes, as heroes go, Mitch McConnell really stepped up here. Uh, Senator Charles Schumer's staff was instrumental in this, as well as the senators from Maryland, where Carla Hayden is from. She's the CEO of the Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore. They also play big roles here. But Mitch McConnell really showed some real spine in bucking uh, a faction of his party and pushing this onto the floor for a vote. You know, at the same time, you have to wonder too why none of the senators who were attempting to scuttle Carla Hayden uh, from the shadows anonymously refused to come out and do so in the open. So in that sense, I think political cowardice played a role here, too. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I imagine the headline here goes something like this. Uh, Republican Kentucky senator saves Democratic presidential <laughs> nominee. I mean, when was the last time you saw anything like that? So so really, the question is, who was behind the objection to Hayden? Well, when I first learned of the hold, I have to tell you, I jumped in with both feet and, and I was nervous if maybe it was Hollywood or the uh, someone in the copyright side of the debate that maybe was a little leery about how Carla Hayden was going to deal with copyright. And of course, the Copyright Office falls under the purview of the Library of Congress. I didn't think that was the case, but I had to discount it, which I did. So the anonymous holds were placed. Uh, my sources tell me they came from the far right wing of the party, shall we say. Uh, there was sort of a rotating cast of senators with holds. And I won't mention names specifically because they pretty much were anonymous. But if you look at the no votes against Hayden, you can probably guess who the holes came from. And uh, people like Mike Lee of Utah, perhaps, David Vitter of Louisiana, Ted Cruz, Joni Ernst. And they were motivated by aggressive objections from the right-wing Heritage Foundation. Now, our listeners may have seen a piece by a gentleman named Hans Van Spakovsky, a fellow at the Heritage, uh, who penned a few caustic editorials that attempted to portray Carla Hayden as unqualified, radical, and a Pointed only because of her race and her gender. Uh, and that last part, I, I know I've, personally, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm not speaking for my employer with this, is, is, you know, I have to say from where I sit, race and gender is really what this came down to. Look at it this way qualifications and political leanings, all of these things can be and were addressed extensively in the hearings and in the private meetings that Carl.
Carla Hayden had leading up to her confirmation vote. Her views on pornography filters in libraries, for example, that was one of the issues that this gentleman, Hens von Spakovsky, raised. And they were dealt with extensively in Hayden's Senate's hearing. But the one thing you really can't step up in a public hearing and do is say, do you think you're getting this job because of your race? That kind of ugliness, I think, is pretty much reserved for an anonymous hold. So Spakovsky's argument, too, is that the Librarian of Congress in the modern era uh, is traditionally reserved for a scholar like James Billington, who retired in January. And I have to say, if you look at the history, that's a laughable assertion. It's not even close to being true. Now, if you look at history, since the post has become Senate confirmable, uh, which was in 1897, uh, the best librarians, the ones who did the most good for the library were librarians. That was Herbert Putnam, uh, who I think was a, a librarian in Boston, and Quincy Mumford, who was the librarian at the Cleveland Public Library. Uh, but the modern era Spakovsky specifically alludes to really regards only two scholars that held the post dating back to 1975. The only two scholars from 1975 up until Hayden's appointment, and that's Daniel Borston and James Billington, whose leadership, by the way, has been strongly and routinely criticized. So so this is the tradition that Spakovsky wants to uphold, appointing a scholar who's going to run the library poorly. In fact, the Librarian of Congress has never been exclusively reserved for scholars, like Spakovsky argued. But what it has been reserved for exclusively throughout history until now is white men. And that changed this week. Uh, but still, you know, given the process, I'm not exactly celebrating. All right. So we have to get into that, Andrew. Why not? And in the end, we got a new, very qualified professional librarian at the Library of Congress. And what do you mean that's not entirely a good thing? We did. And it is a good thing. It's entirely a good thing. Carla Hayden is tremendous. She's going to do a great job at the Library of Congress. And I'm happy about that. But what's not a good thing, though, is that for the first time in our nation's history, the Librarian of Congress has been politicized. And I really wonder about that legacy going forward. Now, a year ago, some of our listeners may remember that I wrote a column in PW, and we did a podcast here about a year ago, questioning whether this appointment was going to wind up in a political fight. Now, I thought that fight was probably going to be over something else, technology or copyright-related issues, etc. That it became a cultural political battle between left and right, and one that involved race and gender, no less, is really disappointing to me and pretty scary. Now, remember, Carla Hayden is term-limited. She's the first librarian of Congress who is term-limited. So in 10 years, we're going to have a new nominee, maybe sooner if she decides to retire or resign for some reason. So at that point, with what we've witnessed with her nomination, are we going to see future nominations be dictated by groups like the Heritage Foundation? Uh, are they going to be telling Republican or Democratic lawmakers who can or cannot be affirmed, confirmed? You know, halfway through the confirmation vote this year, the Heritage Foundation actually announced that they were going to be scoring this vote, which means that they were going to hold legislators accountable for how they voted on the Librarian of Congress. And I'm told that today, Senator Roy Blunt in Missouri, who's the co-chair of the Rules Committee that approved Hayden's nomination is under sharp attacks from the Heritage Foundation and from other right-wingers for his support of Carla Hayden. And I think this is really disturbing news to me. So, you know, yes, I'm really happy for a qualified new librarian of Congress, but that the job has now been made political to me is a really dangerous precedent. And I'm just hoping we can avoid uh, further political battles over this uh, nomination in the future. 
Well, we appreciate your exclusive reporting on this topic. Andrew Albanese, Senior Writer for Publishers Weekly, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, as always. And I would point out that politics did make it to the cafeteria with Freedom Fries. (laughs) I guess so. All right. Uh, Point noted, then. (laughs) Take care, Andrew. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries Rights Direct in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book.